working drummer. Now kick it. This is the Working Drummer Podcast, serving up perspectives, experiences, and stories from ground-level working pros. Advice, tips, and secrets on how to build a career in the music business. Hey, this is Matthew Krause, and you are listening to the podcast Working Drummer. Today is my interview with drummer Reggie Jackson. Based in Columbus, Ohio, Reggie built a reputation from an early age as a powerful drummer who could cover many, many styles. Over the last two decades, Reggie expanded his reach beyond the Columbus scene through worldwide tours with Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee Dr. John, as well as Grammy Award winner Diane Shure. Reggie continues to stay busy in Columbus, working with many great players like Bobby Floyd and Derek Desenzo in a wide variety of playing scenarios. To find out more about this podcast and see other podcasts that we've done, go to WorkingDrummer.net. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can find us on iTunes where you can subscribe to our podcast. And if you will, please leave a comment or rating on our iTunes account. It really helps us grow. So let's get to it. Here is Reggie Jackson. It's a... It's not only just a constant struggle, at least for me, it's not just a constant struggle, but it's it's a struggle to um, stay encouraged and excited, um, not so much about playing, because I think any, any drummer that loves to play, you love to play. Yeah. It's, you know, um, can I stay excited to play even though I'm working with an artist who doesn't give a rat's butt about the the artistry or the music itself? For them, it's an ego trip. You know, it's mm-hmm. a, it's a way for them to live out some diva, whatever. Or, um, or can I, you know, stay uh, motivated um, to continue to play and to practice when you know? I'm playing these festivals and even though I'm hearing some really incredible drummers um, with some bands that nobody knows who they are, then maybe I see somebody who's not necessarily, you know, where they should be in comparison to the rest of the guys in the band, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and, and I'm, I don't not that I'm trying to judge anybody, but I guess if, if, if I'm truthful about, you know, I think what we all at some point think about, um, you know, yeah, it, 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 it can be frustrating. Um, you know, but then at the same time, um, once you're in this, once you've done it for a while, you, you understand how this business really works Right. And then the shift then becomes, well, I, because it is what it is, um, yeah, there are going to be guys who get gigs who maybe, um, not, not that any of us are deserving of anything, mm-hmm. um, but when, you know, uh, somebody's skill set maybe doesn't line up with the position that they're in. Or the level um, of success, you think? Right, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. and And... But yet, you know, um, they have that level of success or that position, you know, we still, you know, but yet I'm doing X, Y, and Z. 
um, you know, that can be frustrating, but I know for me, what, what has helped me has been, you know, God bless them. Um, I know, I mean, I know what they're going to have to deal with <laughs> and, yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, it, well, I guess my, my, my point is it's, it's been more about me focusing on me and not anybody else, not anybody else's situation. You know, it's been about, okay. Um, you know, let me go back to what I really enjoy, which is, you know, me trying to get as good as I possibly can. Right. right. And as long as I focus on that, the gigs, the opportunities, that stuff will come. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, and I guess my point is it's, it's, it's a hard thing in this business, um, to stay focused on that. Mm-hmm. Because the pressures of life, you know, oh, when yeah. you have to pay your rent or, <laughs> you know, your car payment, your insurance, or, you know, uh, if, you, if you, you have kids, you know, their clothes, food, um, their after school activities, whatever it is, like all of a sudden it's, man, I need a better paying gig. And then it's then it's, there's that focus of you don't worry about you anymore or your 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 craft. It's all of a sudden, how do I get <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, yeah. the more lucrative gig? And then all of a sudden, it, it takes you down this road of yeah, you start doing that. You, well, how did they get that gig? Well, why do they have that gig? Mm-hmm. And you know, and if it it it, it comes from an honest place. Because you're just trying to provide for you and your and your family, but yeah, yeah. Um, uh, somebody hurt, somebody hurt you, Reggie. Tell me, man. Who hurt right. You? <laughs> right. What's right. his name, man? I'll get him. <laughs> right. No, no. It, I, I guess it's it, it's more about um, you know um, when you practice and you, and you know you you have um, goals that you want to set. Um, or really you, you just want to make a living. Um, but then I think there are times when you're so focused on that, that, um, you see a gig that you want, um, that's very lucrative. Um, and, and not even, you know, the artistic things out the window. Cause again, it's, it's really about you're trying to make money <laughs> playing drums. Yeah. yeah um, right. Right. But then when you see someone who maybe has a gig um, that you feel like you should have or something like that, and then you see guys that maybe aren't as strong of a player that has those gigs, then, you know, again, you start judging. Yeah. But I think that's just because you're trying to get to where they are because you feel the stress of, man, I got I got bills to pay. I, you know, I right. need money. It's, um, it's funny because mm-hmm. there's so many situations. There's so many factors that right. attribute to people having the work that they do. And I don't know if this ties into what you're talking about. When I first met you and first heard you play, we worked together uh, at Columbus Pro Percussion and mm-hmm. um, we're in our twenties and you were at Ohio State, I was at Capitol, and, you know, it's like to see you play, 
to hear people talk about you and and then then to finally hear you play it's like man this guy is incredible he is such a great player such a strong player such facility and knowledge and it so at a young age you were a powerhouse in Columbus and and people knew that so here you have worked so hard at your craft and then how do you at this stage of your life continue to grow as a player because i watched one of the people you played with was dr john and mm-hmm. you know, i was watching a video uh, the other day of you doing solo with dr john and you know doing the just doing the whole that that style that he plays you soloing around that and just kind of hearing this kind of different player than I was used to hearing. Um, but how do you stay motivated? How do you continue to grow as a player? Yeah, I think for me, it, 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 um, well, one, let me say, <laughs> it's funny that to hear you say that because I never thought as far as, you know, people talking about me or whatever when we were younger, I, I never like that. Never even, I never even heard that thought about that. It didn't seem that way to me at all. I just, you know, I just saw myself, you know, um, you know, just like you, I mean, you know, we both, I mean, you were a great player as well. And, you know, you were playing your, but I mean, I, it's so funny because I still have it up in my bedroom. I don't know if you even remember, but um, you wrote out uh, Steve Gadd, um, Mozambique, uh, or Mozambique uh, pattern from um, the. Um, oh, 50 Ways? No, no, uh, late in the evening. No, not 50 Ways, but uh, late in the evening, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, and you were like killing that. And that was just like, okay, I love that groove. And, um, like was it probably six or seven months ago I pulled that out and <laughs> started working on it. <laughs> but I mean that that was uh I mean you're a great player as well. So I, I never looked at it um that way. I, I just looked at it, you know, we you know, we're all just we're all trying to do the same thing and, you know, um the brother, I guess it's just the brotherhood of, of drummers. Like, you know, just let's just help each other out right. kind of a thing. That's always, um, a gr- that's always been a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and as far as, you know, now I guess it's similar to, you know, um, a, a, a while ago. Um, yeah, I, I used to be really frustrated and then just really just focused on, you know, uh, how can I get better? You know, regardless of, you know, everything else, um, how can I get better? And for me, it's, I guess it's always been that for me, um, because I guess I've, I've always just focused on, okay, (laughs) uh, man, I've got issues here. I've got issues here. You know, it's just been that constant, you know, um, let me try and, and get better, you know, with my time, yeah. uh, with my feels, uh, playing uh, stylistically correct. Um, but at the same time, where can I implement my own sound? Um, and what is my own sound? What is my artistry? Mm-hmm. Um, 
So for me, trying to stay focused on that and as much as possible not get pulled in other directions, whether it be worrying about, you know, why does this person have this gig and I don't, or, um, you know, um, oh, crap, you know, um, just got into it with my wife, or, oh, man, um, there's this thing going down with uh, my mom's side of the family, you know, just all these other things that can easily um, pull me away. Not, Not saying that, you know, you don't deal with those. Right. Um, but just making sure that I just stay focused on, you know, me improving myself, um, has for me has really helped. Um, cause the funny thing is to me, music and life pretty much are, they're parallels. So yeah. What do you mean when I, okay. What do you mean by that? Um, well, a lot of the lessons that you learn um, when you're trying to improve yourself as a musician and as a drummer, my gosh, for me, they're a direct parallel to life. So, like, for example, um, and I'll, I'll, when I teach the few, the few students that I have, um, it, I kind of relate um, the position of the drummer um, similar to, um, any relationship position, um, that you might be in. So, um, for example, as a drummer, you know, um, whether you're playing with, you know, say you're playing in a band, you got four or five people in the band, um, you are kind of like a relationship counselor (laughs) in that, you know, these four or five other people walk into the room and you have to listen to what they all do yeah. in terms of, you know, what our, what our job is, which is about playing a groove and about time. Each one of those individuals is going to have their own interpretation of time, just like, you know, family count, you know, family dealing with an issue, they all have their own perception of that, you know, whatever issue. Um, in our case, it's time. So we have to listen to everybody's perception. Um, and then we have to put the time in a, at a place where that whole group or that whole family can now groove together. Yeah. Or as a counselor, you have to, you know, you hear all their issues. Okay. Here's how you solve your, your issues as a family. Um, and for me, it's, it's, it's the same thing. Um, even if you're, you know, say you're playing in a duo, it's like you and a guitar player. It's just the two of you. Well, that guitar player, um, has a perception of time. Um, now let's say that guitar player rushes and let's say, you know, you have, just rock solid time. Um, not saying that you're perfect, but you work with a metronome on a daily basis. Right. So right. Your, your time, sense is, of time than, is your time is better than this this player's time. Right. Yeah. But the reality of it is, their truth is how they feel the time. Mm, right. 
So you have to deal with them on their truth. You have to deal with them on where they feel the time. So then if they're feeling it on the front side, they're rushing, well then, you know, it's just like a relationship. Yeah. Does it really matter who's right? Right. <laughs> I mean, exactly. do, do, you, do, do you have to say who's right or can you just say, okay, let me just put it where it needs to go for this thing to work? Just yeah. like in a relationship, yes. you know, um, do I need to, to tell my uh, significant other that they're wrong <laughs> or can I be, you know, confident enough to just say, okay, is it really worth the, the, the fight? Right. <laughs> and, and, you know, at, at, on a gig, it's not really worth it. It's not, you don't need, you don't need to, it's not worth the fight. Right. Now, if you're in a studio situation, and, you know, uh, the, whoever is spending whatever, 25, 50 bucks, a hundred bucks an hour, mm-hmm. uh, on this session. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden that guitar player is saying, well, you're Russian mm-hmm. to use the drummer. Well, then that's a fight. I think you need to have just because at the end of the day, mm-hmm. um, money is being spent based on time. And if you know where the issue is, which is his time, then you've got to you got to deal with it because then the producer or whoever is in charge, all they're going to appreciate is the fact that you can resolve the issue as quickly as possible. Right um, now, so, I have a question. So then it's. Uh-huh. I have a question for you though. It, it, what if the guitar player, the one who's rushing, is? Mm-hmm. the one that hired you for his session, and he's the one that's cutting you the check. You know what I'm saying? Whether it's for the gig yeah. or for the session, um, and that that I know you're talking about being a counselor or a mediator of sorts, and right. uh, that's all, I mean, it's very true. It, it, I, I see the parallels are, you know, very real. But one of the things that... Um, Sometimes you're dealing when you're dealing with trying to uh, uh, mediate time and bring people together is sometimes they're, it's their picture on the poster, you know, or they're the right. one that's cutting you the check. Like in that scenario or analogy where, you know, you got a guitar player who's Russian yeah. and, you know, um, $100 an hour is being spent. Um, yeah. It's only a fight if he's, if he is saying, that you are the issue, mm. you the drummer. So, like, yeah. um, if that guy you were working with, if it was a scenario where, you know, he's um, saying, "Well, you know, uh, you're not playing in time, and and, yeah. and it's um, it's not working." Um, well, in that situation, I think that's a fight you need to have because um, the only way you can really resolve that. Um, because if you know you're playing in time and he's playing out of time, yeah, and that's the issue that's holding things moving forward. Because um, then, then what do you do? Because um, even if let's let's say prior to this, you're following him, and he's saying that there's a time issue, right? Because you're you're yeah you're 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 playing the gig. Um, well, then it's okay it won't be resolved. So you have to do something to resolve it so that you can move forward. Mm-hmm. You know, and then that's when I would like say, okay, well let's, let's pull up a click track and 
yeah, yeah. then we'll be good. Right. And, and then that way you can establish the issue or re- resolve the issue. Now, let's say you track it once with the click track and he says, well, you know, you're, you're out of time. And then you can say, okay, well, um, can we, let's solo the drum track with the click mm-hmm. and then the guitar with, and then expose the issue. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then if the guy at that point, he, if he says, okay, well, I don't want to, I don't want to use a click track. <laughs> well, then at that point, it's, it's clear that you're not the issue. You've shown that you're not. And essentially he said, he's, he's saying, you know, um, you know, well, he's not paying, well, unless he is, even if he's the, the guy paying for it at that point, the the issue is resolved. Yeah. You know, yeah. at that point he's, he's saying, just follow me. And at that point, I think you just do whatever you got to do. <laughs> to get through the session. Right. Uh, and it's, but and yeah. It's, yeah, it's tough because you have to kind of cherry pick your battles because there's there's right. times when you know you're right. You know that you yeah. understand the rhythm, you understand the tempo, the feel. And it's like, do I pick an argument with maybe, even if, say it's not a band leader, maybe it's not the artist, maybe it's not the person that's cutting you the check. Um, right maybe there's some wiggle room to kind of like have that debate and get it resolved. And especially if you understand the person's personality, if if it's worth doing. Exactly. Yeah. I think, I think that, that weighs into it a lot as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, um, if I, if I have this guy play with a click track, is he, is he a strong enough musician, um, that he's going to recognize the point that I'm making. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But if he isn't, it's not even worth the battle to me. Right. At that point, it's just about doing the gig. You know what I mean? It, yeah. It's almost like you, you kind of have to, oh, well, yeah, it's just like you're saying, you, you have to cherry pick your battles in that, you know, um, is this a battle that um, that I can win? <laughs> or is right. this going to be gonna a move... battle that's... Right. Or, or yeah. is this going to move the whole project forward? You know, right, not necessarily right, about yeah. winning or losing. Not but, I mean, are about we all going to win but, from this? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was going through the jazz catalog, and I come across uh, Diane Shore live at Ronnie Scott's. I was like, Oh, oh yeah, Diane Shore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I open it up and I look inside it, and man, there you are. I was like, Oh, <laughs> this is awesome. So it's like less than a year ago, uh, maybe even just a you know six months ago. I I got that CD and uh, man, that was so awesome to hear you on this. Um, and what a legendary club! Yeah, you know, yeah. How did that gig come about? Working with her, and maybe what was that gig like? Like that 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 night or that that week at Ronnie Scott's? I still do some dates with her, like. Now she does a lot of, uh, she picks up musicians in, in areas, but, um, but when she can, she'll, uh, hire a guy. So like, um, I know for a while she was using a bunch of drummers, um, like, uh, myself, uh, Ulysses, oh, what's his last name? Um, he's endorsing Tama drums now. He's actually a great player. Okay. Um, and Willie Jones, 
the third. Um, and I, I mean, she'd been using a, a bunch of different drummers, but prior when I did that date, that was uh, when I was working with her. Um, pretty much like full time. She she had a band that was she was consistently working with. Okay. Um, and then how I got the gig. Um, I actually did a, um, a local gig in Columbus, uh, uh, with her musical director at that time, um, who was Roger, uh, Hines, um, oh, yeah. and, uh, bass player in Columbus, I, bass player in Columbus. Yeah. Um, and I had just moved back from LA and basically on the gig, um, had mentioned, Hey, if, you know, if Diane's ever looking for somebody, let me know. And he was just like, well, actually, funny you should ask. Um, she just um, fired her East Coast drummer, and she's looking for a new uh, East Coast drummer. Um, put the audition tape together for me, and I'll send it to her. Mm-hmm. So I you know, went back and put together a cassette tape. Oh, really? <laughs> so, yeah, maybe I shouldn't even say that. I guess I'm giving away my age. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, <laughs> but a cassette tape of like some recordings that I had of myself um, uh, from like my college recital and some session stuff from some gigs from you know with different people. Yeah. And um, she heard that and and liked my playing and um, got the gig and then um, you know started working with her and then that session came up. She was, I think she might have changed record companies or something, um, but her management companies, and they had the idea of her doing a live record. Um, and it kind of came together really fast. Like, um, I think maybe they had even decided to do that because um, we were already on tour in Europe, um, maybe for, you know, back then we would go on tour anywhere between, you know, 18 to 27 days, uh, in Europe straight. And I think that decision happened while we were already over there. Um, but you know, the guys at Ronnie Scott's were super, uh, great. And, And actually what was funny, um, was right before that session, we recorded that, um, I was talking to the sound guy, um, because Beck had just been there, um, <laughs> with, I think, I think that was, I played Ronnie Scott's a bunch of times with Diane, but yeah. I, I'm not, I can't remember for sure, but I, for some reason I'm thinking that this was when I asked because yeah, we were going to record, but, um, Beck was there and I remember asking him about that DVD recording yes. with Beck and, you know, and, and Vinny and, 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 and Tal. Yeah. Um, cause you know, I'm huge Vinny fan. Um, and I was curious because I had just seen some clips of that concert. And I mean, Vinny's like just slamming mm-hmm. and Ronnie Scott's is a really small club. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, not, yeah. It is not a, a a big club at all, and so um, 
because um, even when I, you know, every time I play there, I'm, you know, I'm holding back. Now, mind you, I'm playing with um, a jazz singer who's singing and playing acoustic piano, and Vinny's playing with, you know, back uh, with, you know, tons of guitar amps, you know, so it's a totally different situation. But still. Um, but still, I was I was just so curious, and the, and the sound guy was just, he was just like, oh, man, Vinny just was slamming, and I, I was just, like, floored. Like, I, it, it just made me wish I had actually been there, you know, the week before, or that we were, you know. yeah had gotten in, you know, or played those dates like right after them so that, you know, I could have seen many with that because the video wise, it, it was, it was just amazing. So it would have been great to, to actually been there to feel it. Um, but still that, that, that had to have been kind of an honor and, and, and just to feel the the vibe that was in that place. Cause so many people had, I mean, God, Buddy Rich used to play there. Um, so oh. many great jazz uh, players and, music, and bands have gone through there that I'm sure alone, but then one of your heroes was there just, what, maybe the week before. Right. And what an honor yeah, to, no, to know it, that you were you were playing in the same spot and doing the same thing. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I always, uh, yeah, Ronnie Scott, um, you know, I used to play the Blue Note every year for almost ten years with Diane. That's, that's um, awesome. I mean, all those venues, I I totally felt um, like you know. Well, one, I just felt incredibly blessed because I certainly didn't feel like, um, yeah, I should be there. <laughs> Considering, <laughs> yeah, you know, Vinny Caliuto was just here, or you know, at the Blue Note, you know, Roy Haynes had just played, or yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, who whoever it was, it, it, it certainly, you know, who am I, you know, some guy from Columbus, Ohio, what the, you know, am I doing here? But, you know, felt incredibly blessed um, and honored um, now, there you go. to the, have man, the opportunity. Right. And there you go. Like all the way back to the, like, some of the original things that we were talking about is you're seeing guys, you're like, how did he get that gig? Well, here you are, yeah. man. You're that guy. You're that guy doing that great gig, playing a week after one of your heroes, or playing at a legendary venue that so many people have played that we all look up to. And there's going to be people there that are going to be amazed and and love what you do. I want to jump real quick to uh, something I read. It was uh, somebody, a blogger or an article. I didn't really quite nail it down. Somebody uh, uh, wrote this about a Dr. John show that they saw you at in 2013. The whole deal was the drummer. This guy was beaming from the pocket from the first beat. A lot of drummers are really skilled, but don't exude their joy to the audience. It's more about them. Ziggy Modalest and this Reggie Jackson are the opposite, but it's about conveyance of joy transmissions, man. And this what this is what he was doing. So he he was excited. Wow. Do you know about this? Do you know about this article? No, that's uh, actually that's that's funny that there were uh, <laughs> early on on that gig. There was a lot of uh, uh, I got slammed. Uh, 
pretty hard a, a, a couple of times. But yeah. um, but later that that had more. I think I believe had more to do with uh, how that whole gig came about. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, we we just ended up being um, kind of the uh, guilty party, so to speak. Mm. Um, you know. Uh, but that that is uh wow that's that's uh that's pretty um i'm kind of getting ahead uh, of ourselves heavy. here talking about the dr john gig but i that situation here's somebody in the audience that um the rest of the article talks about how many times this guy had seen dr john what a hardcore fan he was and uh and knew so much about the band and knew so much about the different incarnations of dr john's band but he was took some time there to to point out um, what you brought to the table on that gig, and uh, not only in your playing, but your joy and the energy that you brought. That so, but that's interesting. I, that that guy said that, and you know, at least I mean, it's one of those things for me. I I don't I don't even notice just because um, you know, I, like all of us, you know, I enjoy playing and then you know when you're serving the music it's just it's it's just an enjoyable thing especially if you you know um are doing it with some great players and then you know for me like the dr john thing Mm -hmm. it was you know every night it used to freak me out just because you know um I grew up hearing his music, hearing him, um, and uh, also, too, you know, um, I was a huge, I mean, I remember watching The Muppets <laughs> and, you know, Dr. Teeth, yeah, you know, or Dr. Yeah. Teeth, knowing that, you know, that was based off of him, and, um, uh, oh gosh, I think, I, I, I mean, it was just, it was it was just crazy. Um, I, I was just so. It's got to be surreal. That was every night. It was just like wow. Mm-hmm. Like, well, can we know, talk about man. that 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 gig and and how that came about and what that experience was like? Oh yeah, um, it was. It was. Uh, <laughs> it was. Uh, it, it, it was uh, that gig came about um his new musical director um was a friend of uh was a friend of mine from school and Sarah, um, Sarah Morrow Sarah yeah. yeah yeah and she had uh, gotten the gig and um brought him to Columbus and said that he needed um a, a new band cuz originally that band was all Columbus cats. Um, and so she had called some guys that she knew here in Columbus and, um, asked if we could come and meet, uh, Mac and, and play for him. We all met at uh, Bobby Floyd's house. And that band was, you know, it was, uh, Bobby Floyd on, um, Oregon, Kevin Turner on guitar, uh, Dwight Bailey on bass and myself. And so she called and I think, she had sent like some stuff for us, you know, to check out. I think it was like his new record, um, okay. which actually won uh, a Grammy. And so, um, 
I like transcribe um, and learn all those tunes, and I think I even transcribed some some other stuff. I mean, I I think I must have, and literally we're talking about a day's time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I think she called on a Thursday, and we we're going to meet the next day. Oh wow! Um, and so yeah, I just like I must have spent. Oh gosh! Um, Did you sleep at all? Just four or five hours. I I did sleep, but it was uh, not very much. <laughs> <laughs> just just because I think uh, from the time, because I think she sent the record, I transcribed that stuff. Then um, um, she sent a list of some tunes um, that he might want to do. So then. I like, you know, went on YouTube and spent hours just transcribing, listening to what the record version sounded like, what some live version sounded like. And he came by Bobby's and, um, we basically just played a bunch of his tunes and that was fun just because it was, he, I love Mac. Uh, he's like the coolest guy there probably is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's, He's just, uh, and and I mean he there, he's so uh, laid back um, and 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 cool, but at the same time, he knows exactly what he wants. Like there, the, the guy is really um, he's he's a he's a genius. He knows what he wants, and then uh, the other thing that's amazing about him too, um, he literally is music like it just is him so for example um i remember uh we had a little birthday uh get together for him um while that same day he he was on top chef and they were airing um his episode or the episode that he was in um where he was the judge for one of their quick fire challenges mm-hmm. and so uh, it was, you know, they uh, had to make uh, a hot sauce. And so at the beginning of the uh, quick fire challenge, he tells, you know, uh, the chefs, you know, you know, yeah, just uh, make this thing, you know, with some flavorosity. And then, you know, they cut the, all these to the chefs and, and they're like, what? What is flavorosity? <laughs> and it was so funny because... You know, the whole band, we're all like sitting there laughing because we know exactly what he means. Yeah. But it's, you know, but that was after spending time with him because he literally, he's, he speaks poetry sometimes. Like, you know, he'll say stuff and he'll just create words and phrases where you're like, wow. Like, I can't tell you how many times we would be hanging out on the bus or at a venue or a show, and he would say something, and it's just like, dag. That's the, the chorus to a tune, uh, or that's the hook to a song. Yeah, or, yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it was so, it was just heavy. So just that happening all the time for me, just it just really um, just made that gig so uh, enjoyable. Um, but yeah, after, you know, we played, he was just like, oh yeah, you cats are, are happening. Um, let's roll with it.
Is there one compliment that you hear about your playing from the people you work with that that comes up over and over again over the years? I've heard guys say, you know, uh, stuff like, you know, man, you're really musical or um, you play, you put it right in the pocket or being musical um, or I recently heard a guy say, uh, man, you're like, uh, it's like a musical machine gun, which <laughs> was, you had musical chops or something like it was, yeah. it was, it was pretty, it was pretty funny, but, um, I've heard that. And then, uh, a couple, actually about a, a few weeks ago, I did a gig with Diane and, um, uh, she had Ron Blake from the Saturday Night Live band, oh, saxophone wow. player. Yeah, he was on the gig, and after the gig, he was he he said something that I, I really appreciated. He was just like, "Man, um, you really orchestrated that gig. Thanks so much. You made it really easy to play." Mm-hmm. And it was only like his only second or third time playing her her show, mm-hmm. um, which I really appreciated. Um, you know, because I think sometimes we don't, as drummers, we don't really hear that that often. Um, well, what do you think he, no, when, let me ask, let me clarify. Did he do the gig with Diane with uh, other drummers and then? Yeah. Okay. So he had worked with other drummers with Diane in that situation. What did yeah. he mean by orchestrate? I mean, you weren't you weren't there. You weren't being band leader, passing out charts and saying, "Here, guys, here's right. the arrangement." But, but you, as the drummer, maybe and and the makeup of this, it's just so people understand, it's Di- it's so it's Diane singing and playing piano, drums, right, bass and uh, bass, yeah, uh huh, and just a and uh, yeah, okay, yeah, she's she's singing and playing piano as bass player um, and saxophone player and drummer um and um yeah and ron also said man you, you know you know her really well mm. um and pretty much what he was saying was um yeah I, I wasn't musical director um actually on that gig there she was using a, a bass player she had never worked with before and this was only my second gig playing this music uh, of this uh, music on this new record that she has. Okay. The previous gig was I had done with Ben Wolf. The recording I was given, um, she was doing things different, um, and so I had made you know notes, um, and then you know, plus there's just things that I know of about her for have working with her for so many years. Right. Um, you know she's blind, so. Um, with her, she really appreciates uh, you being sensitive to her. Um, so um, just catching slight retards that she might do um, or hand gestures or all those little kind of subtle things, I was just, you know, kind of accentuating in the music so that the other guys who hadn't played the music either at all with her, like the bass player or only a few times like Ron, just so that they would know, okay, there's a retard here or, okay, there's a break here that's not in the chart or, you know, whatever. So it was me kind of musically outlining that stuff. Um, 
giving a heads up to that stuff. Yeah. Uh, he really appreciated it. And it was just nice that he even noticed it. And I see this a lot with younger players. And I mean, I can recognize it. <laughs> it was it was myself as well. But I mean, I think there's, and you only get this with experience and, and, and age and spending more time on this earth. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> to understand, you know, yeah. uh, there's a drum part is deeper than just the pattern. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then understanding that, you know, even though you, myself, Steve Ferroni, Dennis Chambers, we could all sit down, play eight notes on the hi-hat, two and four on the snare, one and three on the bass drum. And we're each going to play it completely different. Right. We're still playing the same pattern. Mm-hmm. but it's going to be completely different. Um, but what's so great about that is that, you know, we can do that. You know, that's what's great about music. But then at, at the same time, we're all trying to serve the bigger picture, mm-hmm. which is the music, you know, like uh, to me, it, it, it's, um, you know, like the situation with Diane, uh, with Ron, uh, and for, uh, Francisco, uh, who's the bass player to me, it goes again, it goes back to appreciating those people spending the money to come see the, the show. I can sound, I can be blazing on the drums, but, uh, if Diane doesn't sound good or if the group as a whole isn't good, nobody's going to remember my solo. They might remember the solo. They're just going to probably think more about, oh, it wasn't that great of a show. Right. Whereas I would much rather them remember, man, that was a great show. Um, oh, man, and the drummer played great. He played a great mm-hmm. solo. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if they don't say, oh, he played a great solo, mm-hmm. the fact that, man, that was a great show I went to uh, when I went to go see Diane Shore. Or, man, that was a great mm-hmm. show I went to see uh, when I went to go see Dr. John. Yeah. Or man, it was a great show when I went to this club, uh, hole in the wall spot in Columbus, Ohio called Big Stan and saw this <laughs> great group. Doesn't matter. You know, at the end of the day, as long as people have a great time, that's to me, that's the focus. Yeah. It, it, it's not on the, uh, the individual, um, you know, unless it's an individual artist. And again, I, I'm there to support that artist, exactly. you know, This music business is constantly changing. So, um, you know, where it is now, even two years from now, it's certainly not going to be in the same place. So, um, you know, I think at the end of the day, um, you know, going back to, um, you know, just trying to um, just exude joy, um, joy when you're playing, then you have to have joy. You have to be happy. Um, and again, you know, like we were talking earlier about, you know, uh, you know, picking and choosing your, your, your fights, uh, so to speak, um, in working situations, it's kind of the same thing. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's about you being happy and you being able to live with whatever, uh, decisions you make. Mm-hmm. Um, and only you, uh, can do that. And there's nothing wrong, uh, with, 
any choices you decide for you because it's you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. And you have to, and you have to be confident in that. Because right. it's it's so easy to get caught up in outside influences and wondering what someone else is thinking about you and what you do, right? And and with yeah. with with everything and and with the this communication era in which we live in, social media, it's very easy to get caught up in this downward downward spiral of feeling like we're always trying to be conscious of what other people think of us, and it's like you have to be. And I think that that piece comes from time and experience again right a friend of mine um who was road manager for uh, dr john uh when i was on the gig for a while um he's also road manager for james taylor and so <laughs> james taylor came to columbus yeah. and he he called and he uh, got uh, me uh tickets uh, my wife, we went to the concert. Um, and then, uh, we got a chance to meet James, uh, and, oh, wow. you know, Steve Gadd was in the band and Jimmy Johnson. I mean, I got a chance to meet all those guys and, and hang with them. But what was, it just blew me away was Gadd. He played so simplistic mm-hmm. but at the same time it was there were there were times though um yeah he would play like you know just some really great grooves um you know wasn't anything that you know you couldn't figure out but <laughs> every once in a while yeah he would play a lick yeah. and it was just like oh my gosh yeah what was that yeah but it was it was so sparse mm-hmm. that it, when he would do it, it just was it was awesome. Same thing um, when uh, I played on uh, a friend of mine, uh, his wife and, and, and him had this gospel group, and I played some tracks on their record, and he got Dennis Chambers to play a track. Oh, wow. And awesome. <laughs> once he got it back from Dennis, he played it for me. And it was so, I literally laughed out loud because uh, it was, a, a you know, four minutes and something seconds. Uh, gospel tune, really kind of funky groove type thing. And Dennis just played straight pocket. Like, I think he just played quarter notes on the hi-hat, two and four on the snare and, you know. One and three, or you know, one and and a, a two on the kick, or something, right. something incredibly simple. Yeah, he did that for the whole <laughs> tune, except <laughs> there was a break uh, that led into like this uh, little vamp section at the end of the tune, and at the break, Dennis played this insanely fast and clean roll across the toms mm-hmm. and then went straight back into the groove. And that was the only time you heard any, any toms anywhere on the track. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was just, I literally, I was in his studio and I just fell out laughing <laughs> because it was so perfect. Yeah, Here he is. He's just setting you up. He's just laying down a groove 
and you know, going things are just you're grooving away your head, and then there's this break, and there's just this barrage of <laughs> of times. It was just so cool. It was it was just so great, and so yeah, I, I mean, and you know, to me that that's experience. You know, the right. the more you play music, the more you realize, um, you know, it's like that quote of Miles Davis um, of, of, about, you know, he, where he says uh, he thinks more about uh, not not about the notes he plays, but uh, the space he leaves. Mm, right. And to me, the, you know, it's that. You know, uh, what makes um, a really fast lick really cool? Well, it makes it really cool when there's a lot of space <laughs> before that. Yeah, if he would have done you know? that every other bar, you would have, by, by the time the the, uh, the the sixth or seventh lick, you wouldn't have noticed it because... And, and you know that, that James Taylor tour, Liz and I went to see, and we had, we had front row seats on the side. So I was looking... Through Louis Louis Conte and right Uh to Gad, and I could see his side profile with his feet and everything. Oh, cool. And I'm such a huge James Taylor fan, as well as Gad. And so there were definitely times where he was just laying it down, beautiful, beautiful, serving the song. And then every once in a while, there would be room for him to shine. And I remember once he was going off on the end of this chorus, and I was holding Liz's hand, and I was squeezing it so hard because I was getting excited. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she was like, ow, ow, please. <laughs> but, she, yeah. but she got it because she knew, you know, I mean, it because he, I mean, he, she knew that I was getting what he was doing, but her not being a drummer felt that energy and 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 everybody did you know because not only did he he wasn't playing for the drummers in the audience he was playing for the people exactly just as a drummer exactly. i happen to appreciate that as well and then on another on another plane um we get to hear that and then i i run into some drummer friends of mine at the show and we're just like flipping out like and it's james taylor man we're not talking you know, it's not Gat Gang. It's not. It's not Fusion. It's not. You know, it's not Jeff Beck. It's James right. Taylor. But still, how wonderful and beautiful it it, it is. And uh, you know, it's so great, man. It's so great. Oh yeah, and and the piggyback on that—that that, that was the other thing that impressed me. Jimmy Johnson. Yes. I mean, I I I was hit. I got hit to Jimmy listening to Alan Holdsworth. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then like to see him. I mean, it was just absolutely, I mean, it was, it, to me, that was just like, wow, mm-hmm. um, this is what I'm trying to aspire to, right. which is just being the, the professional musician, just constantly serving the music. Yep. So if it's serving the music by playing a bunch of notes, or if it's serving the music by playing few notes, I just want to serve the music and man, those guys just totally, um, they did it yes. and, you know, and, and, and they do it consistently and have been for years. Yeah. And, yeah. 
you know, that's uh, kind of my thing. If, if, if at least that's what I'm going to try to do well, <laughs> as yeah. much as possible. Well, and that 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 pursuit will lead to work for sure. Your name is the name of some other sports figure I've heard right. of. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I have the same name as a famous baseball player and a, and a famous basketball player, <laughs> which, yeah, that helps. Uh, but yeah, there, there's, um, yes, I think if you type in drummer Reggie Jackson, that'll yeah. at least help get you uh, closer. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's that. Um, people can always um, look me up on Facebook. Um, and I, I usually, well, I shouldn't say I, my wife usually posts uh, <laughs> videos yeah. Yeah. of stuff um, that she's at. Um, I'm really bad at, at that kind of stuff just because I don't really think I'm uh, sounding that great. But, you know, as, as we discussed, I, I shouldn't <laughs> really reconsider that. Uh, I'm going to edit, uh, edit that part out, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make you sound like I sound great. I am awesome. <laughs> mad editing skills. I'm gonna, right, man, right. Richie Jackson, he seemed like such a sweet, humble guy, but he sounds like he's really arrogant. Uh, <laughs> right. You are. I'm on the record, man. You you are you are a bad dude, man. You are awesome. Um, and I so I mean so go on there, go on YouTube. I mean, I just just gotta find the stuff. I was. Again, I'm on the road here, so I'm sitting in my hotel room, so you probably hear housekeeping people making racket uh, at this time of the day. But um, over the last few days, I'm kind of digging into what's what's going on online, and my bass player roommate here is I was like, man, check this guy out. And he's like, holy crap! You know, he's just flipping out <laughs> watching this stuff. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Yeah, so, thank you, and, and thank him. No, I, I, I yeah. appreciate it, you know. Um, well, man, I have taken up a lot of your time, but I, Reggie, it's so good to hear your voice, man, and to just catch up with you. I appreciate it, and man, I, I hope anytime. I hope you um, enjoy listening to this back or or whatever, and and um, I think people are just going to totally dig what you what you have to say about about a lot of this stuff and and what you're doing, man. Well, I, I, I hope I hope they do. <laughs> I mean, you know, hope, hopefully, no. Seriously, I, I I appreciate the opportunity, and yeah. you know, uh, man, I I love you and appreciate Thanks, uh, you and Liz, and 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 just wish the best for uh, you and your family. And man, yeah, anything anything you need from me, do so all you gotta do is call anytime. Well, I got your number now, so you better watch out. No, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, keep in, keep in touch with me, and and I'll I'll do the same, and we'll we'll cross paths uh, hopefully sooner than later. Cool. All right. Thanks, Reggie. Man. Uh, oh, anytime, Matt. Be safe on the road. Okay, I'll talk to you soon, man. Okay. Bye. Bye. So there you go. Uh, it might be obvious to those of you listening that Reggie and I have known each other for a really long time. I had a chance to get to know Reggie back when I lived in Columbus and worked at Columbus Pro Percussion. Um, it's it's just it's an honor to call Reggie my friend. Um, it was great to get to know him as a person and, of course, as a drummer. I hope you go to YouTube and check out this guy. Uh, he's, he's awesome. 
such a great player. And um, I hope you enjoyed that uh, conversation. I want to thank Mike Jackson for his technical help and stay tuned for Zach Albetta's interview coming up next week. I want to remind you that we're part of the Merge Network that includes Nick Ruffini's Drummer's Resource and Daniel Glass's podcast. Both of those podcasts are definitely worth your time. Check those guys out. So once again, thanks everyone for your support. We appreciate you listening and just keeping in touch. And I hope to see you around. Bye-bye.